We are the podcast that most certainly did not put a cake within the console. It's Vija, please. A hateful voyage through the Delta Quadrant. My name is Joseph. And I'm your second life boyfriend, Peter. A good one. That's good. <laughs> second life is definitely a early 2000s product, if there ever was one. Mm. You know, not even early 2000s. Probably it's more of a mid to late 2000s product i will be interested to hear from our vija please trauma support group if we had any second life stands i don't know is it still going it probably is right like everquest one still going i'm sure second life's still going i'm sure it's overrun by porn and and furry adult babies but to, to be honest, I think it might have been overrun by porn <laughs> and furry was, adult babies from the jump. My understanding, it was founded by furry adult babies. Well, uh, before we get in, oh man, I couldn't even transition. I was going to try, try and move on that into the episode. Fell Speaking apart. of cyber sex. <laughs> hey, you, you know what? This is why we're partners, man. Mm-hmm. Before we actually talk about the episode at all. Uh, a few things. First, this is at last the uh, the terminus of season six. So that means next week you're going to hear Peter and I uh, give season six the fucking Viking funeral it deserves <laughs> and have our season six rest in peace. The rip is uh, one of our favorite things to do each each season. Uh, we get to talk about the highs, the lows. Uh, we get to offer some awards. Some are perennial. Uh, such as the weakest shit award. Some are sometimes specific to certain tropes within a season. Uh, We will uh, offer our deep and cutting wisdom to you next week on season six overall. So uh, stay tuned for that. And that's also where we're going to discuss the show. Peter and I are going to tackle in our next podcast after we have concluded Voyager, which is coming sooner rather than later. And uh, before we get to that end, we have one more piece of season sucks to talk about. What was it? Season six, episode 26, Unimatrix Zero, part one. I talked in our, our sort of uh, uh, teaser discussion, I guess is what you would call it, that we had at the end of last week, that this was equal parts, some real interesting shit, and then another equal part, really weak voyager op shit i forgot how this broke up between the two parts so i think the voyager op shit doesn't actually happen until next week could have fooled uh, me <laughs> i guess there's enough of it uh to, uh to start off to to give a bit of a, an appetizer don't worry it gets worse but would you, what do you think of my premise of like there's a core of an idea here that is very neat about the borg that uh just kind of gets buried by the rest of it I agree. I like the idea of a Borg dream state that exists outside of the collective piggybacked on collective wave, that it is considered a radical element that uh, the Borg collective does not want. And that somehow, you know, Seven of Vine gets dragged into it. I do not like pretty much everything else. (laughs) <laughs> i mean everything else is like half the episode because it's what you you know the 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 unimatrix zero is certainly the focus i'm sorry i take that back uh the severed heads are really cool 
Okay, truth. Fact check. <laughs> the fucking severed heads in this episode, man. Like, normally my kids don't give two shits about Voyager. When it's on, they're playing on tablets or doing God knows what else. This is the episode my daughter decides to hang around and look. And she's like looking at me while they're picking through the fucking uh, the raspberry jello in these mannequin heads. And then she's asking me if the Borg Queen is the bad guy. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, usually the bad guy. (laughs) Usually the bad guy is the one with the severed heads laying around. (laughs) It's a good lesson to learn as a child. Yeah. You know, that there's strong context clues. clues. Yeah. Are we the baddies? We have skulls on our hats. (laughs) (laughs) So we open up in the old Borg shanty town. Um, I found out that this is actually called the Unicomplex which is the most lamest villain layer name ever. If for what is essentially Borg HQ, it is a very uninspired name. This is supposed to be a place that docks hundreds of cubes and trillions of drones. And it's I just I feel like they've blown the scale of the Borg way out of the water and all this stuff ends up coming up off as stupid. And really you can go right back to Scorpion part one where we had 37 cubes flying along. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's like, all right, take, take everything you thought about the Borg and now we're going to times it by a hundred and wow, look how much we've expanded the threat and the action, the adventure. And it's like, it just watered it down, man. And that's that's I think Voyager's biggest sin in regards to the Borg is if they've watered it down to the point where everything's looks like a laser tag arena bullshit joke. I completely agree with you. And I think that the scale was such a weird choice. The The Borg are these fucking stone cold killers, impossible to stop. One cube is enough to just fuck up the Federation's entire day. And a second one, even after they spent years preparing, was a serious challenge. And we, you mentioned the, uh, you know, we wanted species A four seven two to seem so ridiculously OP, so they're just gonna like solo cube after cube after cube, so we can show how powerful they are. Except it throws the balance off because Voyager has to be the hero ship, so Voyager has to, in the in the end be better than that and it just creates this huge power imbalance because now you set up this situation where a there's way more borg than you had ever thought which brings up all these questions of like if there's trillions of borgs and and thousands of cubes why are they not just bum rushing the alpha quadrant with like five or six at a time and just crushing right like Mm -hmm. if one is almost too much for the federation fleet to handle even after upgrades and quantum torpedoes and everything then if they've got thousands of cubes and trillions of drones, it seems like they don't need to d- devote much in the way of resources to finally like scrub this problem out, but they just like, don't. Just, like you said, two cubes. It's yeah, two it's, at once. That'd be enough, right? Like it's dumb. It's stupid. Uh, I almost wish that they had created like something that was Borg adjacent. The morgue. The Borgs. Um, developmentally <laughs> the, the, disabled cousins. <laughs> the simple Borg. <laughs> you know, Maybe just... the Borg that did come into the Alpha Quadrant were like the High Borg. And then there's like um, the Forest Borg. 
or like what, the, what, the hillbilly a much board. better choice should have been there just isn't that in any of them and yes. and the assimilation like a it's weird to do this from the start, but I think that the rewrite to the Borg I would have given, given in Voyager is that assimilation is scary, but like the half-life on a drone is super short. Ooh. And so they have to keep assimilating because, you know, they have they have not yet figured out a way to keep drones uh, with longevity. Tear. Well, too much wear and tear, uh, too much like rejection of cybernetics, like it's an ongoing process. And so because they burn through drones so fast, they have to continually be assimilating and they have an expansive territory and there's, there's a lot of them, but that's why they are not overwhelming the entire galaxy immediately, right? Like maturation chambers make a lot more sense. Yeah, you like they just need to continually churn out more drones because – you know the the collect the collective overloads brains whatever like you could go in a million directions and the losses of a cube is a big deal and now that they've lost two cubes they're not willing to go any deeper into federation territory because it's, right it's not worth it um i'm also reminded in this episode that the queen is a bad idea the queen was cool for first contact she served as a head that the federation could finally cut off and sure, a character the movie could use yeah. like you need to have a villain for your movie that's just basic storytelling the borg never had a pers- personality to them which is made what them- made them scary and cool so you, it and it was a neat trick to say the collective of the borg has a personification that it can manifest in the form of this person and what would have been, I think, much cooler is if the Borg Queen was just one way it decided to express itself. It could express itself in a number of different ways, not in this one form. Mm-hmm. Um, it just is the. In this episode, the Queen's going to be portrayed by a parakeet. In this episode, the, the it's going to be portrayed by the Rock. Like I, you know, whatever, Wait, like right? a Rock or the Rock, the Rock. I mean, we already had him on the show. I mean, how hard would it be? Fair enough. Um, so. The main guest star in this episode was on uh, Insurrection. Well, so, yeah, this is a great one to double dip on. This was not Alice Krieg. This was Susanna Thompson again who played the. No, the no, queen. no. The the her Seven's boyfriend in this. Oh, was Seven's boyfriend in in First Contact? No, Insurrection. He was uh, the leader of the Happy Fountain of Life Village. No kidding. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. I did not know that he played. Yeah. OK, I'm looking him up now. It's amazing what a little rubber on the face will do. And also the fact that nobody cares about insurrection or the happy go lucky hippies or who their leader was. Talk about some throwaway shit. Yeah, that movie was absolutely disposable. <laughs> like the cool I... part about that movie was a holodeck ship. And an Admiral getting his face ripped off. Um. Oh, the and manual could steering column was also. <laughs> that was bad that was in a D&D movie kind of way. Like, where it's like, it so bad, it was cool. Um, I'm the world's biggest defender of Generations. I think that movie is underappreciated, but uh, Insurrection is for real bad. So we're at the Borg Shantytown, and uh, we are reminded that the Borg are no longer scary. You know, these are big set pieces. They don't break the Borg out all the time. I but they bring it out enough. It's like put some real fucking money into these sets for real Voyager Borg 
facilities look like laser tag arenas. Blinking lights, green overcast, they're like carpeted. All the shit on the wall looks hokey. First Contact set a very high bar. And even before First Contact, I felt like all the Borg shit in Next Gen looked a lot more, I don't know, industrial, maybe? Yeah, greasy. I think the big difference between the way it looked was when they initially had them on on TNG, they had less money. So it felt more practical. And like you said, it felt like more like it was just like this industrial area. They shot it in and dressed it. Yeah. And they dressed it up rather than built sets. That's kind of what it felt like. Maybe that's why it felt more like that. Uh, I'm going to look up and see if this was the case later. Uh, And then by this time, they're trying to build the sets. But when you're building it, you have budgets and you can't necessarily capture the feel the same way. And also they built these sets for voyager to continue to reuse who looks so seamy for that reason the biggest detracting factor i think in what makes these borg moments look so shitty are the regeneration chamber the green electricity doodad that's shooting up around the head Mm -hmm. that is readily recognizable to every fucking person who has ever set foot in the united states mall for our international people out there, there's a there's in every shopping mall in America, there is a store called Spencer's Gifts. Oh god. And if yes. you need a gag, uh, you know, 40th birthday card that has an overweight lady wearing Daisy Dukes eating a whole cake herself, <laughs> or lollipops shaped like penises, or you know, marijuana you, gags, or fake dog you, poop. If she a shitty gag gift, lava lamps, the little electrical balls you put your hands on and it shoots into your fingertips and these fucking green plates that shoot electricity around in a circle. Then you can look at these uh, these 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 Borg scenes and say, oh, they bought this thing at the local shopping mall. It completely takes you out of the scene. It looks so shitty and and readily accessible, and it is a major disservice to anything they're trying to do. Another major disservice to everything they're trying to do is once again, we are visited by the bad green screen CG fairy as we get the entrance of the queen because they are in love with the queen assembly thing, right? Because that was a, such an amazing, amazing effect on first contact when the queen first shows up and you got the shoulders with the metal spine and she's talking and she gets put into the body and then the body like, you know, like, sh- you know, uh, captures the torso hooks in it's iconic for that film because it's the entrance of the queen and on a movie budget that shit looked great but on a tv budget they can't fucking pull it off but they keep trying it looks stupid in scorpion was no that's it was a uh, dark frontier right dark frontier it looks stupid here we get it she's a disembodied upper torso and she she plugs in uh i'm i'm looking at the the effect as it's happening and i realize because i've had to see it so many times now like she clips in like a couple inches below her her uh her shoulders right mm-hmm. and then she sits in there and the things hook in so like where the cleavage should be is her but the boobs and there's clearly boobs in the suit. Those are robot boobs. 
There's no meat there. So like this fucking thing is so vain that it's like, yes, make me a robot bodied like Krang. So I might walk about and stomp on the turtles, but make sure, <laughs> make sure it has the boob chest. <laughs> My boobs were lost to Borg cancer many years ago, but I need to have the boobs in my robot body so people know i am a i'm a chick well if she one... had been dropped down from the ceiling with <laughs> her tits just... just hanging out <laughs> yeah okay By and that... like like species and there's like assimilation tentacles shooting out of her nipples and that's why you don't ever try to get to second base with her like <laughs> i would be more receptive to these borg queen assembly scenes but watching her plug into her, her boob suit yeah her boob holster <laughs> That we know that we know for certain is unnecessary. Ridiculous. Like, no mysteries. Yes, this is where I keep the extra RAM to control the the collective. So so yeah, the Borg suck. Uh, I'm not happy to see the Queen. I'm sad to see the Queen because it means instead of an interesting kind of scary collective moment, it's going to be a very uh, a very personal personalized villain. That has a, a an individual agenda. The teaser scene doesn't tell you much. There's a drone. Drone gets like picked up to go meet the queen. Queen's like, you know, you you have a disease. We want to cure you. There's a little d- dialogue, and uh, Unimatrix Zero is mentioned in the teaser. The thing that the queen is after. The drone gets cut off from the collective hive mind and uses immediately uses possessive pronouns to say, I don't know anything. And uh, the queen is not impressed, orders him murdered and uh, says, bring his Borg brain to off me. with his head. Yes. Also, Borg talking to each other seems silly, like they should do the telepathy voiceover thing. I get no, I'm going to. You know what? I understand they're trying to make a fucking TV show. Yes, is this necessary? Absolutely not. Like the the hive mind would be just doing the stuff in the background and there wouldn't be any dialogue, but you're trying to tell a story in an audience, you got to make a fucking compromise somewhere so you can actually have dialogue to explain the fuck is going on. That's fine. By that, that's okay. I my 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 ability to suspend disbelief does in fact go that far. Joe, do you remember that time George Costanza was on Voyager? I certainly do. And do you remember why you told me that George Costanza was on Voyager? Because the actor was actually a pretty big fan of Star Trek, evidently. And they were trying to bring in people who weren't maybe the biggest Star Trek Voyager fans to watch Voyager. So they would fall in love with Voyager. Yeah, stunt casting. You have Jason Alexander on and and it helps prey eyeballs. Did George Costanza blow up the Voyager watcher numbers? Like, are, are we sitting on top of like epic monumental numbers of of uh, normies now watching the show or do you think everybody here at season six episode 26 are your run-of-the-mill trek nerds who know goddamn well what a telepathy voiceover represents i see what you're saying and yes it is, would be correct to point out that and if anyone who's watching the show at this point is probably invested enough to consider uh all of those options but it's still much more dramatic and interesting to watch if you have people talking to each other on screen doing shit. That's yes, I get it that nerds get it, 
that especially like invested Trek nerds get it, it's still just going to be more interesting to watch, even for an invested Trek nerd. If people are doing shit on screen, I think disagree, but it, it, it's, it's still a cool behind the scene that to see the Borg having an internal problem, problem. Yes. right? We've seen them at war with species, uh, Mewtwo, <laughs> Mewtwo's. We've Space seen issues. them at odds with uh, with with Voyager and the Federation to see a natural organic like, hmm, life isn't perfect in the collective. There are things there are elements we don't like. Uh, we need to deal with this. It's interesting kind of now that I'm thinking about it, like the concept of Unimatrix Zero, especially up against uh, May of 2000. So we are prime time. Post Matrix. Right. Yes, we definitely are. Mm -hmm. This is uh, this is the Matrix and this is Zion. So. uh, Yeah, that's an that's an an interesting point, I guess. It's hard to know exactly if that is it's inspired. That certainly could have the timeline works out. Matrix mm -hmm. definitely came out in 1999. I remember how many times I watched that movie when it first came out and how many times I had to sneak to the theater because I wasn't 17 yet. So granted. But the idea of a hidden dreamscape where a bunch of drones are still have their personalities is a like enough of an idea rooted in the collective that you don't necessarily need to be ripping something off to get here. You know, if that and that's the cool part about the plot is like this feels like some shit that could happen. Right. Like in within the logic of the Borg that. The, the collective hive mind isn't perfect. And then there's this sub section of, of drones that are able to, to skirt the rules and have a level of individuality, even if they're not always consciously aware of it. I'm going uh, deep on this stuff wherever possible, because overall, this is a hard episode, I think, to talk about these these two parters. I feel like they load the second half with all the stuff that matters and like the first the, the part ones are always so light that we can consolidate this thing down and talk about it beginning to end in like five minutes. So, so I'm reaching a little bit here. <laughs> well, don't worry, man, we've got 20 minutes plus already and we have barely started talking about it. So let's get into the episode. Uh, we have seven of nine. She starts, uh, we start with her in what appears to be a, a, a nice uh, Southern California forest, you know, just uh kind of hanging out uh enjoying the wildlife a little disoriented someone calls her annika and then she awakens she goes to the doctor about to be like what the fuck was that and doctor's like oh you had a dream that's cool well you met a man in your dream was it your dad or someone you wanted to fuck please go on funny you should mention her dad (laughs) i saw that in the memory alpha because the the entire episode, my eyes are just glued to the screen, and I'm like, "Please, show me. Where's the hug? Give, give me another crack at this guy. There's got to be some hug in here somewhere. Where's salute your shorts, hug at? Show me her dad, for the love of God, please. I need closure on this. <laughs> Alas, sir, you have been denied. Uh, the memory <laughs> yeah. hug was too expensive to get for a second go around. They didn't have hug money. <laughs> um the memory alpha 
suggests a different sort of way that they were going to do this plot, which is that Mag- Magnus Hansen, who is Seven's dad, would have been Ugg. the primary leader. Ugg would have been the leader of the uh, the Unimatrix Zero people. Instead, of course, they made it a whole fucking shitty romance story. Good. I'm glad we're in agreement that that was a shitty romance. That's the oh, yeah. Would have- you're you're engaging in clandestine terrorism against the Borg Collective, and you know you use precious percentages of your screen time to do relationship drama. Oh, good job, guys! You fucking did it. Let's talk about that. <laughs> Let's talk about that right now because we're we're already on the subject of UG. If you're going to give me interpersonal strife, relationship strife with fucking Seven of Nine. Why is this not her dad? Why is that instead of, oh, were we boyfriend, girlfriend, let me kiss you like, hey, dad, you were a real shitty parent and you let the fucking board queen try and like juice me up and, and get me to poison Earth with like mutant rain or whatever back in Dark Frontier. Like what happened that even if you couldn't, even if you didn't have that UG money, you couldn't get someone else to portray Magnus Hansen. You had to jam this fucking terrible romance subplot in there. This Yuck. would have been so much better to be her dad after everything. Like one of our bright spots of season six is Seven of Nine's maturity as a character. She has truly changed uh, her. The performance by Jerry Ryan has demonstrated that in a way that we've appreciated. This has has had a lot to do with her raising children. Child's play. All this stuff is specifically addressed. The fact that she highly resents her parents. She is now arguably a parent herself which brings a completely different perception into things like what an yeah, this, this needed to be her fucking dad because she could have had so much good like conflict with resolving like i now have more context for what a shitty parent you were <laughs> like not only was my life ruined now i'm saying the choices you're making were indefensible i'm pissed now joe <laughs> <laughs> I'm real fucking mad at this thing that happened (laughs) almost 21 years ago to the month. You know Uh, what's also quite infuriating? The next scene, which is the least deserved promotion scene of all time. So Tom walks on the bridge and everybody's like staring at him like he's Tuvik's about to get sent off to the gas chamber. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Maximum. Kote jumps on his ass with it. You're late. And he's like, what? And he's like. And then uh, Tuvok hits him. It's 22 seconds past your shift. We haven't seen antagonists like antagonistic relationships between Paris and Tuvok and Chakotay since like uh, the Seska arc where they had to like manufacture this rivalry that would justify why Tom would leave Voyager and could be scooped up by Seska to infiltrate. So I'm like real interested here for a moment. I'm like, what has happened that everybody is up his ass again? And then even Janeway gets in. With like, again, that that murderous Tuvix stare, like, go sit down and he goes to sit down and there's just a box sitting on his chair. And he opens the box. What's in the box? (laughs) In the box is a little black pip because uh, they have elected to take this moment to say, well, Tom, you've been really well behaved for the last year since we threw you in jail uh, for grossly violating the prime directive while we're visiting ocean planets. And uh, we've decided to go ahead and give you a rank back. So we will give you the least observant of protocol, the least caring about his Starfleet career, and the man who has committed multiple felony level violations, both before this and while on the ship, the rank of lieutenant. Well, Harry fucking Kim 
stands in the back, having died for this ship, having been given Mewtwo space aids, having gone through all kinds of trouble on our behalf. Saved the ship multiple times with his wizkidry. He personally stood up to a bunch of eight-foot-tall Herogian hunters, trying to save everyone from being locked into LARP murder for the rest of their lives. Nazi LARP murder! Harry Kim, still an ensign. Not worthy of promotion. Harry's like... I didn't see a little black box in my chair, which I immediately just replied, shut the fuck up, Harry, because even knowing <laughs> he's such a team player, like I still just shut the fuck up. But, you know, Harry being an ensign forever is like the most the second most popular meme on Facebook Star Trek groups, second only to Klingons have two penises and, you know, someone has to mop jizz up in the holodeck. Right, right. I understand. I laugh. Ha ha ha. Seeing this scene puts Harry being an ensign forever in such a different light. It does, doesn't it? It's just like, I don't know if Janeway is racist against Asians or what, but like, <laughs> this is unfathomable. I'm going back to Janeway. Janeway, Catherine, hashtag stop Asian hate. Come yeah, on. Yeah, I'm going backwards <laughs> through. Uh, I'm going backwards through these episodes trying to look for something where. He, Tom he isn't changed a, the timeline to save Voyager from his own mistake. And Janeway knows that. This dude has been a very good officer, and you promote a guy you had to throw in jail for breaking the rules who could not give a fuck that like, you punished him. The only he thing that really stands out that uh, Paris has done this season was trick Harry into kissing a cow and also getting the ship overthrown by... Uh, drunk holographic Irish hooligans. <laughs> um, and I want to say there was something else he did that was like really, really. Oh, also, let's not forget the time he tried to kill Balana in a shuttlecraft, plugged it into his brain. I'm talking about Alice. Oh, yeah, that happened this season. Flew off this season in his trash bag outfit to go fly into a particle fountain and get everybody killed. Like. Tom's a piece of shit and even Ensign's probably too good for him. Yeah, like even like because he got demoted in the middle of season five. I remember like Bride of Chaotica happened after that. That was another holodeck incident where he went and fucked everything up with his bullshit. Like, um, no, that was someone else. What, you know, it's here's the challenge for Vija, please listeners. Here's your fucking homework. Justify Tom's repromotion. If someone justifies Tom's repromotion sufficiently, I will acknowledge your greatness on air and you know, some other reward to be negotiated. Uh, we will figure something out. Tom, I'm, give me a good case. Tom, I'll reward you. Advocated for wiping a civilization literally off the map in blink of an eye. We all remember that, right? We're like, yeah. they're like, hey, you're fucking up our gravity. We're going to shoot a couple little guns at you. And he's like, hey, can we just like nuke him from orbit because it's the only way to be sure and everybody's like no tom we can't just fucking nuke a mid-90s technology civilization from orbit uh anyways so tom's a lieutenant harry's not deal with it (laughs) that's when they get a distress call the distress call is to an asteroid 
They go check it out. It takes them a couple hours. They get there. The the asteroid rolls over and they see it it's looks all like blown a poofy. It's just all blown up. And Harry, who has not been promoted to lieutenant, scans for weapon signatures and is like, oh, they Borg. And then, two, and then Jay was like, Tuvok, wake up a tactical. Are there any Borg? And you would think, by the way, you would think that if a tactical sensors detected Borg anywhere, it would sound like the fucking Ironside alarm from Kill Bill, right? Like immediately, like alpha level threat is here. Don't like run away. Untrue. It's, he's got a scan and be like oh yeah there's Borg around who knew don't you remember the last time Bellana found the Borg she had like three paragraphs of dialogue and said and also by the way Borg listen man this is Voyager Borg Borg translates into Federation as no big deal right they're yeah. they're past the scary days these are just I don't even know what to compare them to at this point they're like uh, I don't know space Harry Krishnas right <laughs> Well, there's a lot of them and they're really annoying. The Borg are at the threat level to Voyager that like a dude coming up to your car and trying to clean your windshield with newspaper without asking first, right? Like, the, no big deal. The Borg are the squeegee guys of the galaxy is what you're saying. Mm-hmm. So we need to call Space Rudy Giuliani to clean them out. Yeah. <laughs> is that what you're saying? Mm-hmm. Unsolicited. <laughs> I appreciate I, I do appreciate Janeway pretending like she cares that the Borg is scary. Uh, there's kind of a grim look on everybody's face. There's an urge to maybe go down and look for survivors. But she's like, all right, dip out, log this in the entry that we showed up. Everybody's dead. It's probably the Borg and we out. Yeah, like absent all of the other Borg stuff we've seen. I try to isolate th- this episode a little bit. And I actually agree. Like they do treat the Borg as like, this is scary shit. And we should not be uh, fucking around with it. Uh, Seven has some more experiences in second life. Anybody who doesn't know what second life is, by the way, it was like uh, an MMO. Not really. It was not, it was not an MMO. So like an MMO minus combat. Second life was essentially a, just a virtual world. Uh, That it, it's, um, it, it sort of is more in, in common with, I'd say, like Minecraft, where the concept was to build things and create a second life for yourself online. And the company that ran Second Life had the greatest fucking grift in the world with this thing because they would charge a ton of money to basically let you do cool stuff and then generate in-game currency from other players who would engage with it. And then you could cash out the in-game currency through them. So they would, it was, it was a very, it was a very good grift to be involved with uh, when it was hot. I remember stories from people who, uh, you know, like would be making thousands of dollars a week through something they set up in second life that people would, would sponsor and that sort of thing. And, uh, so what Joe's the, saying is that he knew a bunch of people that made sex mods. So yeah, I knew a bunch of degenerates. To, Absolutely. Um, yeah, they, they were they 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 modded it so the humanoid skeleton could uh, effectively mount and fuck spiders. Yes, that's exactly <laughs> that's exactly correct. But I mean, we are talking about an era of the internet where there was a big scandal because of an underage porn ring within The Sims Online. Oh, that's such a gibbery. That article. Yeah, I did fucking excellent 
<laughs> it's just you give human beings the ability to make it into a sex thing. And they're going to put their dick in They're going to fucking absolutely turn it into the sex thing. And the sex thing will be the most degenerate shit possible. Yes. Every time without fail. Yes. Skyrim is a very filthy place. <laughs> we are a dirty species. And also, Seven of Nine goes back to Second Life. And, Speaking uh, of sex. And is approached by a guy who we will find out is named Axum. Uh, who says now this ain't a dream girl this is this is this is the really real world and uh we've got some splaining to do and we get some some background what's going on first things first great job on jerry ryan's part she plays her character differently within the world of the unimatrix zero tangibly different and so much so that it actually gets remarked upon in character by janeway of like you seem different there but it starts there's there's a quite a bit of it before it gets mentioned and it's actually pretty noticeable from this point forward her tone of voice is just different even though her dialogue is very similar her body language is just a little softer it's a tiny change but it is so noticeable because she's so rigid all the time and because of that she softens a little bit and you just kind of see it um and she's getting the download from this guy who's like a cardassian but light you know, like racist, like, <laughs> you know, like if you put Cardassian makeup on someone, but only at 50 percent power, that's basically what he looks like. And uh, he's explaining. Yeah, he so would have to be. I mean, I guess he wouldn't have to, but I'm guessing he's something Delta Quadrant native because for them be to, from any part of the galaxy from him. To, technically, I, I, I just I doubt it was actually a Cardassian because. Magnus's family should have really been the first Alpha Quadrant abductees, and for them to spend the amount of time together that they did, it would seem odd that a Cardassian got in there somehow. Well, it's not actually a Cardassian. It's just something that resembles a Cardassian a little bit because it's it's that's the spoon in the head and some ridges, but it's just all not as pronounced. Hmm. Um. The the download of information comes, though, and what Seven is experiencing is essentially a pocket consciousness, a pocket reality, I guess, a, some sort of second life, <laughs> some sort of glitch in the Borg collective uh, mind, collective matrix, if you will, has allowed certain Borg drones, which Axum says are one in a million but I guess when there's trillions of drones, then you could have a sufficient amount within so this. stupid, <laughs> whatever, right? Like, sure. fine. Point is, maybe the Borg have found a way to assimilate ants. There is a minority of drones that have the capacity to retain their individuality within this space. They're not quite sure about how it started. Uh, which makes sense since the Borg's history is kind of shrouded in mysteries. But somewhere along the line, this mutation began to take hold and some minority of drones are able to exist here. The catch is it only occurs when they are regenerating. They only and they don't remember it when they are part of the, the gestalt and when they're awake. It's only can take hold when their minds are technically at rest while regenerating. They're able to slip into this this sort of plane of existence it's a really cool idea because it provides some texture to 
I think one of the more the most horrifying things about the Borg, which is the stripping of individuality and the stripping of the self and and the death of the self as a consequence of being a Borg, right? Like the 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 episode that we saw earlier this season when you know Seven was confronted by the Borg survivors from the the cube that was destroyed that had their emerging person yeah the, the, they had their 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 personalities start to emerge and she, they were going through all this horrific trauma that came as as they came to reckon with what happened to them and so this is another angle attack of that angle of like the the self and the person and the, the the sense of self is difficult to permanently defeat and so there are some borg that are retaining it in a covert way and that of course is a threat to the collective that they cannot allow to continue I've got some thoughts on uh, how I would have liked to see the Borg co-opt from Chakotay's girlfriend planet involved in this. Um, I agree with what you're saying. I, I like the idea of a Borg splinter uh, hiding just out of view. And if you'll indulge me to, to continue the comparisons to the Matrix uh, in this episode, you don't have... Morpheus standing there telling people like, you know, take the blue pill or the red pill. Uh, But what you have is the opportunity, a very difficult to engineer opportunity in the make in the in the collective to foster rebellion. Uh, Everybody who is in the Borg collective is a victim of the collective. Uh, But once you're assimilated, you're addicted. And that's that you have an opportunity here, which will be realized later in the episode when Janeway starts pushing for it. But like these people could have said, Hey, we've got a chance to fight back. And how can we start using this as a weapon to combat the Borg? Instead, everyone there is content to say, um, life sucks. And this is pretty cool here. And if it's between, uh, fighting the system or just hanging out in the forest and getting my dick sucked, uh give me that blue pill right yeah at which when you when you when you give it the odds that they end up creating for them that perspective does actually make sense in context right like we're bitching about the idea of there being so many borg to begin with but then they do kind of use that idea effectively to say when they're having scenes later as a group and they're discussing what ultimately ends up being the plan, which is we're going to wake all of you up with all of your memories of this place so that you can act against the collective and start a rebellion. They're like, yeah, we're going to wake up in different parts of the galaxy where we might be the only fucking drone on the whole goddamn ship who know what's going on. What the fuck chance do we have of doing anything? Like, this is stupid. There's not enough of us to do anything. We're too spread out, which if you're going to do this trillions of board, you know, thing, I that's the best excuse you can probably use to explain why in a logical way. Like, they're like, oh, fuck that. I just want to keep going to the Matrix and getting my dick sucked. It's way better. <laughs> I think it would be and, I, I, you know, we haven't seen the second half. I don't know what happens ultimately. Uh, you know, Janeway's later involvement. Well, I'll save it until we actually see what Janeway's plan is going to be. So uh, seven now realizes this is a altered state of consciousness. She is not dreaming and she has empirical evidence because the doctor has given her a um, cardboard box with sticky tape 
to attach to her neck and it proves empirically that hey um there are victims in space and if there's one thing the federation loves to do it's help space victims i again looking at this in in as I think is necessary without clouding judgment based on the giant self own that was Scorpion 1 and 2 and how they dealt with Species 8472 potentially wiping the Borg out and what they did with them that made all of Janeway's decisions seem catastrophically poor uh, in retrospect. Janeway being interested in like, let's jump on this because we have a chance of actually like subverting the Borg in some way through this makes a lot of sense right absolutely like like, and this is the biggest alpha level threat to the federation this is our chance to actually fuck them up in a way that is lasting and personal (laughs) we should do it (laughs) as i sit here with the many many other opportunities janeway has had to poison the borg with a bioweapon or poison the borg with another bioweapon or poison the Borg with the third bioweapon. Yeah, hey, I, I completely for, for agree, three, right? Because there's yeah. Echeb's uh, supernatural Crowley Hellbomb. Yes. And then there the, was uh, the, the, the multiple Tron personalities. Turds, yeah. The Tron Turds. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there's also, oh, no, no. Yeah, Species. No, they, they had the bioweapon against Species 8472. I, I was thinking the other day, like, Voyager really loves indulging um, bioweapon research. They've made a a lot of bio. There was there was an off camera bioweapon research that we never got used against the the Vidians. The Vidian bioweapon, the eight four seven two bioweapon, uh, the Borg bioweapon. I'm sure there's some other bioweapons. Yeah, there's a lot of bioweapons. No, no NATO in space. <laughs> No space NATO, no Geneva Conventions, no mercy. Um, it's an uncomfortable topic in the, the whole. COVID. <laughs> uh, Took you right off the rails. You're Janeway's just... <laughs> Janeway's decision to get involved not only to help a rebellion cell rail against a um, an authoritarian regime you know, the Borg, the mortal enemy, the immortal cyber enemy of the Federation. Um, You know, we can help people. We can hurt our enemy. They do a great job fleshing it out in her conversation with Chakotay. And this is one of those really great moments where Chakotay, I think, functions as the audience with some very real objections. And in a very rare showing, Janeway does a great job of laying out her reasoning and explaining why the decision she's just unilaterally made is is the right one and begs him to support her in this. Unlike the last couple times, specifically Equinox and Scorpion, where she has done things that Janeway. Yeah, that, that Chakotay ultimately was opposed to and. And that there was serious conflict between the two of them. It's worth pointing out that in the in between these two moments is Janeway does uh, some Vulcan telepathy bullshit to be able to go to Second Life along with Seven of Nine. <laughs> um, I do like the the doctor like this is stupid. Have you ever even done this before? And he's like, nope. 
<laughs> he's like, this is even more stupid. And he's like, man, I'm, I'm pretty good. <laughs> like, I got it. It's fine. You're right. You're being real logical. We're doing this anyways. Also, hey, shut the fuck up because we just beamed you back to like Jupiter station so you could hang out with your dad for a month, even though it was dangerous as fuck. So uh, blow it out your ass. EMH. And so she goes, she talks to the guy, conceives of the idea of waking them all up. And also, this is where, like, the Borg have isolated what's going on enough to be able to send drones into it to, like, start, like, trying to identify each of the drones that are part of it so they can eliminate them, which is obviously the Queen's intention, and uh, spots Janeway in the process. So, like, they get found out as being involved with this. And they're, like, the only cool, there. there's a couple cool moments with the Queen. There's one... I think particularly well done one in a little bit here. Yes. But the first one here where she's like, she sees Janeway on the monitor and she's like, she just says Janeway and stares and just her expression changes of like, ah, oh, that fucking bitch. That, <laughs> that bitch fu- still has my 8472 bioweapon. Why do we I'm, let them go again? I'm getting real tired of this lady. <laughs> like, this is. I'm tired of these motherfucking okay. Janeways and my motherfucking Delta Quadrant. So uh, she comes back and also, they have the scene with Chakotay. Lots of Batless. Lots of Batless action. Yes, there's a Klingon who is being very Klingon-y and also very has a lisp because the teeth did not fit correctly. And um, when he she comes back from that, that's when the scene with Chakotay happens. She actually gives Chakotay veto power. She says, I will not do this if you say you're not down, which is we have never seen. Like, she's like, I am giving you my executive officer the, the call here because this is some real fucked up shit. This is dangerous. This is highly speculative. If you weren't behind this, I'm not doing it. And uh, which is cool that this is a moment that should have happened before. I think it should, should have happened kind of maybe in the space where Equinox happened. Who knows? But uh, it finally happens here. of Equinox. That would have been a great way to get the relationship back on track. Yeah, if they'd actually had the conflict that Ron Moore was planning when he like wrote all of that. Remember, that was part of his his because he likes to talk, right? And there was a lot of material on the couple episodes he worked on, and he said like his whole plan was to have them at odds with each other all season. This would have actually helped, like fix that plot line instead that just never happened it would have wrapped that plot line up in episode two of the season had she just turned around and said hey listen i know i went crazy off the rails trying to murder that other starfleet crew and all uh maybe maybe i shouldn't just be leading as um a fascist dictator and maybe i'll give you a little bit of power and then him go oh cool i guess we can just make this all water under the bridge um instead of just ignoring it never happened until they later pulled guns on each other because <laughs> seven seven nine, nine heard a rumor. <laughs> Don't you watched Infowars? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so they, she, she, he gives the go ahead. And so the plan goes into place where their intention is to use a virus that will allow the drones to retain uh, their memories. Uh, and they have a, I guess, like conversation. I think it's in sick bay about it where they're, um, they're talking about the, the kind of the plan, which is that they have to go to a Borg vessel, go to that Borg vessels core, upload the virus. So it'll spread to the entire collective. 
and that will allow it to filter into the individual drones who are keyed into this thing and allow them to emerge with their personalities. So the idea is that we got to find a Borg vessel and then we have to like do fucking solid snake shit, get in there, put that shit in the core and then get out, which everyone immediately is like, this is the dumbest shit ever. We should not do that. And then it gets even worse when scans indicate there's one Borg vessel nearby and it's not just a cube. It's a super duper armored cube with level super special yeah. tactical cube. It is a level 100 boss and they're a level one crook. You that's know, what like, you think. <laughs> that's, that's the implication that they provide. Do you think? Because that's not what the uh, subsequent fight scenes will will paint a picture of. Um, I don't know what's up with Roxanne Dawson's wig in this. Did this stand out to you at all? Any of her scenes arguing her points? Yeah, her whole costume was like a little off. Like she just had a bad fitting. Uniform looked like it was off. Her wig, she looked like Murder Face from Death Clock from from uh, Metalocalypse. <laughs> yeah, it's a good comparison. Yeah, a real bad episode for Belana Taurus. Janeway lays this plan out. Uh, Tuvok's like, hey, here's a security protocol. And then Alana makes up her own security protocol. I don't know what is prompting um, Balana to suddenly care so much about the Borg, which we've never seen anything warm out of Balana regarding any Borg affairs whatsoever. I can only assume that things are so bad between her and Tom that she would rather go on a fucking board. She'd rather go on the suicide mission to the collectorship than than go on another dinner date with Tom or watch him watch television, a television she built for him. I will Uh, say that the Tom Bellana stuff is not that bad in this episode. Yeah. They have a nice little scene. It's decent. Uh, She gets bullied. Janeway gets bullied into letting the extra people accompany her on her, mission by Chakotu who says listen you take Tuvok and you take Belana or I'm pulling my support on this and we're going to shut the whole fucking thing down there's a scene in between there where uh, Seven goes back to Second Life but now she's like Nads and have Borgon and she's even more human seeming goes by Annika got this like nice little sweater shirt combo like she's a English professor or something mm-hmm. and um, this is where she finds out that she was secretly boyfriend girlfriend with Axum and is uh, for some reason like not okay with the fact that a relationship that he was not talking about. He was like, I don't want to like create a thing because you don't remember it. So I'm just not even going to bring it up. Right. And like, she's like, no, I'm going to make a thing. And I want you to open up both hands real wide so I can scoop all of this thing up, hand it to you. And then you can turn around and throw it in the I don't fucking care trash can, which is where this entire subplot belongs. I didn't like this love subplot the first time I saw it last night watching it. And I downright fucking hate it when we sit here and talk about how this should be uh, her summer camp counselor slash dad, Ugg, <laughs> taking all this dumb shit from Dark Frontier, the, the family stuff, and like making Dark Frontier really pay off and adding a B plot to this entire thing that would be warranted and interesting awful yeah let's talk about something more interesting which is when they cut back to voyager and jane was having a conversation with chakotay about what's going on 
uh, all of the lights start to flicker and some weird shit's happening. She's like calls up to the bridge. Like, What's going on? And Harry, who is not a lieutenant, <laughs> is, is at the at the con, even though he's not the lieutenant. You know, he's an ensign still for no reason. And uh, he's like, yeah, someone's trying to like beam a comm signal through transwarp. It's really fucked up. Who could that be? And then like the lights all go green. And there's like a nice shot where he's like, oh, I'm looking at my console. I don't know what's going on. And he like looks up at the view screen. And he's like, uh. <laughs> oh, no. Hey, Captain, it's for you. <laughs> you should come up and talk. And it's just the queen, of course, on the view screen. And there's this really perfect conversation where they're like, hey, what's up? How you doing? Jane was like, not bad. How are you? <laughs> like, it's just... Literally. Literally. Is <laughs> that what it is? It's like, this is awkward. So I heard you phoned home. Yeah, I heard you heard from home base. Good luck getting home. It's like absolutely the awkward small talk with that awkward person that we are all experiencing right now as COVID rolls off in the U.S. And, you know, it's I know it's different everywhere, but here in Ohio, things have basically gone back to normal. And uh, you're like having conversations with people you probably maybe even had seen in a year and a half. And you're like, oh, fuck. I remember why I hated this. (laughs) Like, all comes rushing back. Minus the slight technicality that uh, you've both tried to kill each other in the past. Yeah, that too. (laughs) Minus the the small detail that um, while bragging about how she's going to kill your entire race with acid rain, um, your boy toy shows up and does a drive-by on her while you <laughs> hold a rifle to her head. Dirty Tom rolls in in a, sh- a souped-up shuttlecraft and a rifle and just rolls the whole trillions of Borg collective effortlessly the same way. That man is golden. He still had to hold a gun to the queue the same way. He's like, eh, this, is, this is how I beat Listen, if know, it worked for them, I destroying got- powers. I just do this. If it worked against demigods, it'll work against unicomplex one or whatever this fucking place is called i guess maybe i just proved my my reason as to why tom needed to be re-promoted he is op against global threats he's just like the borg the q like he's just so good against super alpha level stuff you just have to give him the pip let me rewrite this episode real quick so it's something i care about uh the borg queen calls janeway to start posturing and tries to like front and uh, we find out that Shocky never disboarded the, the vessel and just <laughs> Shocky gets the Borg Queen right Shockey. in the face. <laughs> and you see the Borg Queen get like shocked so hard, her torso falls out of her robot body. And then Janeway says, don't ever fucking call here again. Lose my number, bitch. Click. <laughs> the doom of the collective is Shocky. <laughs> the doom of anybody who dares to call Voyager shocky. Um, It's a great exchange. And in a, again, I wish this was any race other than the Borg. I wish this was the morgue uh, or the Dorg, the the other cousin. I like this scene. I like the scene for the Borg though, because I like how it ends where she's like, she's fucking afraid. Like, why the fuck would she, she offers them like transwarp technology to go home. Awesome. 
Yeah. Awesome. And she, she sort of like plays it off. Like, I don't know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Doesn't say anything and turns on. Like, she is so fucked up about what's happening. She was willing to bribe us. We have to do this now. <laughs> like weakness. We just saw weakness. <laughs> I, I like the Borg queen as a villain. I don't like the Borg queen as a Borg villain. If she was another race, that would have been a great exchange. Had this just been uh, the Borg hallway with a million voices talking to Janeway, having the same conversation. What's up? How are you doing? We know you've contacted the Federation. Perhaps we can interest you in a transwarp tunnel home. Yes. Like we were in a fight for our lives with the fucking species 8472. And for us to strike an alliance where we just granted you safe passage through our space in return, you help us make a bio weapon. Like that was such a big fucking deal. And here you've got unprompted the Borg queen being like, you want an easy home? Yeah. Hmm? No. Okay. Stay out of my business. Goodbye. <laughs> option one is you go home. Option two is they don't kill you. Option three is you're all drones. <laughs> <laughs> They don't really address why options two and three don't just happen. Like, hey, look, we got Transwarp. It's so fast. Also, there's two tactical cubes I'm about to put directly up your asshole right now. So this is what you get for being nosy. Goodbye. So they start the mission to infiltrate the cube. There is a running firefight with the super cube. Cubes, which, as we have said, as we have established, as we have lamented, one runs hot dick all over all kinds of the Federation's best vessels. Put the Defiant out of out of commission, blew up whole like steamrunner class ships on in like all of these like new designs that they created as part of the defense initiative after they ran into the board the first time in canon that's these are what these ships are like shit we invented after we ran into the board we're like oh our shit is not nearly cool enough we need to make cooler shit that shit barely good enough to stop one cube when you use it all at the same time right so voyager decides to go solo a super cube not just a cube, like a like a cube with armor plating on it. Steroid cube. And instead of just like immediately getting raffle stopped, it actually engages in a running firefight and accomplishes its goal of like disrupting one of its shields. It doesn't blow it up. It doesn't actually hurt it. Really? The whole idea is they would distract it long enough so that the, the Delta Flyer could get close and beam on uh, the, the team. But it actually doesn't, which is itself kind of wild. Like, I accept that Voyager's probably got some anti-Borg upgrades because of Seven, right? Like, Seven knows enough, like, legit inside information about Borg tech that she's like, well, we're going to, like, you know, lean this up against this. And we're going to angle the shields this way. And we're going to, like, tighten the beam on this to, to make ourselves a little bit better against the Borg because I have the information. Okay. But it should not be enough that they have anything but a a prayer in the fiery depths of hell to stand up this long against a super cube. It's a toe to toe fist fight with a long panning running gun where you have Voyager flying around the cube in like these Death Star trench runs. Yeah, it is absurd. And I I don't even want to really justify it with any more conversation because it's so fucking stupid. It's infuriating. 
short of the queen having a master plan. And part of that master plan is, hey, don't just blow Voyager up instantly, like play along. There's no reason for any of this to have gone over uh, to the degree it does. I want to point out at this juncture that the actual plan that Janeway clearly has, uh, they've done a very good job at kind of hiding it because there's so much pushback about letting Janeway take Tuvok and Balana on this little mission with her. And it really seems like it's uh, people blowing things out of proportion. Like every time you go on a board cube, it's always a three man party and it's usually Harry Kim getting separated and bad things happening. Uh, it's not until the very end with that little twist ending that you're like, oh, that's why everybody hated this fucking plan. But uh, <laughs> Voyager's flying around, zipping around. Also, Voyager doesn't look right as like a high speed action vessel flying around like an X-Wing. That also looks kind of dumb. But while Voyager's going toe to toe with this cube, Delta Flyer's trying to like creep in from the side. And, uh, um, you know, Borg Queen is over there playing some Star Trek Armada and she's like, oh, what's this? Someone's attacking one of my tactical cubes. Let me go ahead and take direct control. Oh, hey, there's a Delta Flyer. Zot. Blows it up. Oh, God. Everybody's finally, dead. It's been, uh, finally, the Delta Flyer. Let's, let's pull one out for the Delta Flyer. This poor ship has been nearly destroyed multiple times. It has been nearly destroyed by the Malon when it got ran into an asteroid. It's been basically nearly completely destroyed in Muse recently when it crash landed on on planet Greece. I mean, like it this thing has been rebuilt from scratch over and over and over again. And now it's finally ashes. You got the best tropes in this fight. You've got <laughs> Voyager clowning the Borg. You've got shuttlecraft crashing and blowing up. You've got many, many, many photon torpedoes. Of course. <laughs> And uh, and you and you get the crew onto the ship. They're they're working their way through the thing. But as you mentioned, there's a twist. They do not succeed. They get stopped. They get assimilated. We see Janeway and Balana and Tuvok all get the fucking get the, in the, the jab in the neck. It seems bad. It seems grim. And that's when the doctor reports from his station that their lifestyles have destabilized, and there is a suggestion by by Chakotay that this was the plan was for them to get assimilated for some reason. And they're like, all right, Tom, we can leave now. And they jet off and we end the episode with these the panning shots. Assimilations ever to very assimilated uh, versions of, of uh, Tuvok, Balana and Captain Janeway on the cube with a to be continued placard after. I hate this ending, and I also like this ending. These two-parters, like I said, they feel very formulaic at this point. It was cool when Best of Both Worlds did it. Uh, I'm kind of over it at this point. Same deal with Scorpion. Like, oh, oh my gosh, how could this have happened? Like, the the suicide mission onto the cube, old ground, you know, the, the crew failing against the Borg in their initial attempt, old ground. I was not prepared to see part of their plan being, and then we get fucking assimilated. So <laughs> big, hard left turn there. It really <laughs> put a lot of the earlier apprehension because the crew's always like, oh gosh, we're scared of going over there. Like, 
yeah, I, I would be fucking terrified of going over there. And part of the plan being, and then we get assimilated. Balana and Tuvok and Janeway better hope to God that none of these drone roles they get put into require like a third arm being grafted onto their butt or their dominant hand getting chopped off and replaced with some sort of like pizza slicer or something. I think I think I have accidentally convinced you to hate this episode more than where you started. <laughs> yeah, the we were talking thing. about yeah, the UG thing is that this Miserable. isn't about Seven's resolving her issues with her parents and how they basically put her into the situation of being negligent was not at all addressed when it really should have been. Here's some cool stuff I would have liked to have seen in here. Uh, I would like for Unimatrix Zero to be a product that is is the result of uh, the Borg co-op. I would like do, does the co-op ever become a thing again or is that long gone forever done it's gone forever i still maintain that that's one of my favorite voyager episodes i maintain that the threat that the co-op could pose to the collective uh would have been the most interesting way to handle some sort of a civil war and had the co-op's influence been able to grow so far that they were able to start introducing a peaceful existence to the collective um, th- that would have been a really great angle there. Um, I think that if instead of it just being like, Hey, we're going to sabotage the Borg and have people remember what they are for some unforeseen consequence, like, Hey, we're able to manufacture whatever the mutation is that allows people to participate in Unimatrix zero. And our goal is going to be to wake up, uh, participants of Unimatrix zero on other ships and have them start like hypospring and spread the virus until everybody's participating in Unimatrix zero. And like the Borg are able to come together and decide like, we don't want to be Borg anymore. We don't, we don't want this. And we're just going to stay in Unimatrix zero until we all like starve and die or somehow overthrow the system from within. Like, I think that would have been a really great way to finish the Borg off once and forever to have them just right off into the sunset, never be heard from again. So I don't know where they're going to go with this, but uh, certainly I think there's some really great stories. They could have told some great older characters, specifically Ugg. You could have even brought, uh, what was her name from uh, Chakotay's girlfriend? Do you oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So the the one that uh, was the memory Mm-hmm. He couldn't remember her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. Not, not that girlfriend. Not his forgetful girlfriend. The Borg girlfriend. Borg girlfriend. Oh, from the from co-op. The, from the co-op. Yeah, yeah, the Starfleet yeah, yeah. officer. Like the, she could have lady. She could have popped <laughs> back the, in with the great wig that she somehow had. <laughs> That's just stuff you find laying around. I would have liked to see the. Uh, I always like that. Anytime like there's Borg unplugged, it's always like. The Klingons and the Romulans are ready to fight. <laughs> the first thing that resumes is race hatred. Oh, well, you know, in this case, they, they were ready to fight the Borg that were trying to like onesie twosie their way in there and and narc people out. But um, yeah, the, the assimilations at the end were surprising. Uh, and the idea of Unimatrix Zero was cool. And the severed heads that they're like trying to dig information out of are cool and everything else is just kind of like man this could have been so much more shut up Harry. that 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 phrase 
this could have been so much more. Certainly describes season six, if not Voyager as a whole. Like definitely describes we, Voyager. As we'll, we'll be uh, discussing season six in more depth soon enough. But um, what a disappointment! What a terrible experience! Not even close in the race for worst season. You know, I don't think it's a compet competition. This is this has just been a graveyard of of bad ideas. Yeah, I'm not looking forward to reviewing my notes and trying to like remember all the details of the season so we can give it a fair treatment. And the, the if certainly were, there's some if, very bright high points. Yeah, if it weren't for two episodes that primarily took place in the Alpha Quadrant <laughs> and a couple other entries along the way, there would be almost nothing worth really looking at. Like the last of the last six episodes, four were pretty good. Like, and that that helped it not feel as bad. But man, there was a spot there when we were like having to deal with Alice Riddles, Dragon Teeth. Um, Dragon Teeth was all right. Dragon Teeth was all right, but you hated it because it went nowhere. Yeah. Virtuoso. So not to say we'll get into all this in the rip, man. Two episodes with holographic Irishman. I want you to when you're considering your awards and, and other things for us to discuss during the rip, I want you to start putting some thought into maybe it's something for us to do when we do the the Voyager entire series rip. Like our primary complaint about Voyager is squandered potential try and find like how many episodes out there realistically left nothing on the table and told the fullest story they could possibly tell. Where are the, well, there, there is a limitation to that idea. I think overall for TV that you can't always necessarily do that because you don't have the time, effort or money to be able to do so on the production schedule they have. I would settle for how many times did they realize the best version of the story you could really realistically ask for. You know, like let's have this conversation in the rip because I I want to I want to get into this. I'm I'm curious what what you mean by that. And then we will leave it there, and we will see everyone next week when we discuss season six and lay it to rest once and for all. <laughs> <laughs>